Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the RC Roundtable. And today we have two very special guests with us. Uh, before I introduce them, I just wanted to uh, kind of st show the state of the hobby union, so to speak. Uh, we've talked quite a bit about the remote IED and proposed rules from the FAA. And so we've talked about it quite a bit in the past several shows. And we urge everybody to make comments. And we had lots of comments that were indeed made to the FAA and that has now closed the comment period and so we we came up with a really good opportunity to talk to uh, two people that are quite the movers and shakers within the uh, model aviation community and joining us we have tyler dobbs uh his day job is the government affairs director for the ama but he's also the treasurer for the political action committee that has been formed to uh, represent us at in the capital in our model aviation hobby and he's also joined with crystal pearson uh, her day job is the government affairs representative for the ama but in, in the capacity of the pack she is also the chair and so we'd like to welcome tyler and crystal to the show well, thank you. hello thank you guys and uh, we're happy to be here yeah we're even more happy for you to be with us <laughs> Tyler, I guess if you don't mind, uh, tell us a bit about yourself and your um, relations to the Political Action Committee. Oh, sure. Uh, so as you mentioned, my day job, I, I am the Director of Government Affairs for the Academy of Model Aeronautics. Um, and we can dive into uh, you know, the need for a PAC, uh, but regardless of how we got to the situation that we're in, uh, we did, Crystal and I did recognize that there was a need to be able to be a bigger player in D.C. and to um, have a stronger voice and, uh, you know, bring the community together and uh, let politicians know that we are we are serious about our hobby and serious about what we do. Um, and we're going to, to come together and work together on this um, to take some of the burdens that we're currently seeing away and, and maybe change what status quo has been uh, for the last year and a half or, or even longer. Um, so in doing so, we... we started talking and got together and uh, formed the pack. Crystal and I, um, we brought in uh, a DC lobbyist that we work with closely uh, on a number of issues, um, and his name is Todd Burdenson uh, with Capitol Hill Policy Group. Uh, we also brought in Mason Hutchison, and I think you guys have had him on the show. Yeah. Um, oh, we know Mason yeah, so so Mason works with the the pack also. Um, you know, it's great to have that manned aviation background and and his engineer background is helpful um, when we're talking technical terms. Um, so that's the initial group. Uh, really, it was the three of us: Crystal, Todd, and myself. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we thought Mason would be a great addition, so we brought him on board. Well, yeah, if you were looking for people who are excited about the hobby, I, I can't think of anybody that fits that description more than Mason. No, and you guys have talked to him. I mean, he is excellent, um, and he's just so passionate about the hobby, and he's going to go in and fight as hard as he possibly can, and, and that's what we were looking for. Ah, great. Uh, Crystal, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your and your role in the pack? Sure. So um, Tyler won a, 
above and beyond there, I feel. <laughs> so hopefully we still need to do the rest of the show. Um, but my background is in nonprofit management. So I've spent uh, most of my career working with local uh, nonprofits. I was the executive director of one locally here. Um, I've, I worked at the AMA now for almost four years um, and with the government affairs uh, for about a year now. Um, so it's a whole new world. And, you know, I'm, I've learned uh, the back round of government relations once I joined the team um, and I realized that you know there there's limitations on what you know you can do as a 501c3 and we needed to do something else and step up a little bit more and Tyler and I on our own decided that we were going to do that so here we are so I guess that leads us into the next question just what is a political action committee for the for the newbies out there myself included yeah for me too so, you know, long story short, a PAC, a political action committee, it's an org- organization that really financially supports political candidates and legislation. Um, that's that's the gist of it is uh, to support those who are willing to support your cause or your hobby, um, your views, uh, and to make sure that you, you help keep those people in place or maybe get those people elected um, through financial support. You're not bound by the same constraints that a nonprofit would be. In terms of what you can donate and the rules you play by? Well, depending on the nonprofit, um, and I think maybe where you're going with that is uh, like a 501c3. There are, there's really specific rules that they need to follow. Um, those organizations can lobby, and obviously they do lobby, and, and uh, they're just bound by how much lobbying they can do. And they really can't support a, a candidate that has, you know, the same view as maybe what you have or someone who is willing to really focus on your your hobby or your agenda. Um, a 501c3 can't come out and say, you know, we support this candidate, whereas a PAC can, can openly support that candidate and make fi- financial contributions to them. Okay. So that would be like a CBO couldn't come out and endorse a particular candidate. Well, that's correct. I mean, obviously, you know, there's no CBO at this time, um, but there is a process in place, uh, or, or I'm, there's not a process in place, but there's an outline for a process to take place in legislation. Um, and in that legislation, it requires that a community-based organization or CBO meet certain criteria. And one of those criteria is it needs to be a nonprofit 501c3 organized organization. Um, again, that doesn't mean that that organization can't lobby for you. They just can't come out and, and support or financially support a specific candidate. Well, it's kind of almost a catch-22. Their hands are tied. I mean, it does, in fact, limit the CBO from, I say, garnering more support. It does. Um, you know, they can garner support in other ways, and they certainly do. I think that history has shown that they, they've been able to get support from others, um, you know, in the past. And uh, certainly don't want to get too deep into that, but, you know, we can look back to the special rule for model aircraft, and that was because Senator Inhofe of Oklahoma uh, supported model aviation and supported organizations that you know really pushed model aviation agenda, um, and and they got that senator to author a bill that protected us from the hobby. Uh, we no longer have that, unfortunately, and and um, there's so many more players today than what there was back in 2011 when that was being worked on. Um, but that's the type of support that we're looking for and that's what a political action committee can do is it can go out and it can find those 
those officials, those senators and representatives that are willing to support us, uh, and we can make sure that they stay in place, and the senators and representatives that are running for election who maybe are going to replace somebody who's not so supportive of our hobby, um, we can we can financially support them and financially support their campaign and hopefully get them in a position early on um, to where we, we build that relationship and we really foster that relationship. That's really important. Uh, once a senator's been in office for decades, you know, they have what their agenda is. They know what their, their focus is going to be. Um, so it's really hard to kind of, you know, get your foot in the door and, and have model aviation or unmanned aircraft systems, whatever you want to call it, as their focus. Um, so fostering that early relationship with, with candidates is really, really important. Yeah, I was going to say that. It just helps you get a deeper connection. You Absolutely. Know. So, so I'm wondering what the difference between a PAC and a lobbyist is. Uh, so, you know, a PAC really financially supports the candidates. A lobbyist really goes in and is the... Um, like the mediator, vehicle. I'll say, yeah, the vehicle <laughs> yeah. to to get that message across. Uh, so, okay. um, you know, if if RC Roundtable wanted to go and lobby senators or, or a representative to get a bill pushed through to where, and you know, to deal with something on podcasts, maybe you're not comfortable doing it, so you'd hire a lobbyist, and that lobbyist would go and, and really push your agenda and, um, you know, be responsible really for looking up any past laws that were passed related to yours, um, make those types of connections. Right, but they're and, not fundraising. Yeah, they're not fundraising. Uh, they're really just, um, you know, facilitating your message and, and sharing that with the, the uh, D.C. representation to try to get them to push your agenda. Right, and that's what a PAC does. They, they raise funds in order to be able to do this. Right. So what, are, what would we consider the Commercial Journal Alliance? Lobbyists? I think so. Um, certainly, well, they're made up of, you know, a number of organizations that have lobbyists, uh, many lobbyists um, and attorneys. Um, so I think that they, you know, they all have many of the organizations within the Commercial Drone Alliance have their own PACs. Um, so they're fundraising individually. Uh, they're all pushing the same agenda or a majority of them are. I won't say all of them anymore, but majority of them are. Um, so they're, they're fundraising through a PAC and they're lobbying. They're doing both. Um, and, and that's what makes them, you know, so powerful is they're, they've got a lot of big companies and all those big companies have PACs. Um, and, and that's why they're so effective in what they do is uh, not only are they lobbying in D.C., which uh, model aviations, you know, they we've been fortunate enough to be able to lobby through other organizations for a number of years. Um, but where we have fallen short a little bit is not being able to, to support candidates and financially support those candidates. Well, I know that we're trying to support the candidates that want to support the hobby. Sure. Is part of the PAC's job also to... I'm, just making this up here because like Terry and Fitz, we're, we're new to this, but is the PAC also going to go against or try to go up against the, the CDA? Uh, you know, I don't know if I'll say go against. Obviously, our viewpoints are completely different. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, we have specific rules within the Federal Election Committee Commission that we have to follow on what we can use our money for. Um, and it's really focused on supporting those candidates um, and, and uh, you know, getting those candidates elected, working towards fundraising to get those candidates elected. Um, so I'm not sure the best use of the PAC money is to, to go out and run smear campaigns against Commercial Drone Alliance. Um, that being said, uh, 
when we meet with with senators and representatives and we inform them about the hobby and we inform them about what we do in, in model aviation um, you know those types of names come up pretty often as you know, we, we hear what they're saying. Unfortunately, that's not the case. If you really want to know what model aviation is, here, sit down, let me show you. Um, it's it's a six or seven year old who's out flying with their mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, or they're at their school doing a STEM program where they're learning about aeronautics. Um, we're not all sitting in a neighborhood flying a, a quadcopter two miles away looking in somebody's window. That's not model aviation. Um, so it's really just about Having the opportunity uh, and, and, you know, in today's world, finances gives you that opportunity. Um, but having that opportunity to, to educate and inform the decision makers in D.C. Um, and that's what this political action committee allows us to do. It gives us the financial resources um, to not only support candidates, but also educate and inform them about really what, the, what our hobby is all about. So I'm getting the impression, and I guess we all already know this, that money talks, and without money, you're not going to make. So I guess, does it come down to an issue of you have to be able to fundraise more money than them, or is it just that you have to be able to get enough money to get an audience in front of the people that matter? I think it's more the, the second. I mean, honestly, okay. you just need to be able to get to the right person. So it's not necessarily outdoing them and as far as fundraising. It's just using the money that we are bringing in in the correct way. Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, if we can't get in that competition, we won't win. Yeah, there's uh, we, we have, you know, you have Amazon who's got a pack, and, and you have all of these organizations, these Fortune 500 companies and, and giant corporations um, that have packs and raise millions and give millions. We're never going to be at that level. We just simply are. Um, we're not, we're not going to, we're not, you know, we're simply not going to be able to reach those thresholds. Um, but raising any amount of money and being able to contribute and being able to have those resources available when needed, um, you know, at least lets us have a spot. Uh, and that's the important part is, um, you know, we need to be in the game. We need to be at the table. Uh, and having a pack shows, uh, you know, it shows the, the decision makers that you're serious about what you do um, and that you're unified and you, you're putting, you know, you're putting your best voice forward and, and showing that there's solidarity amongst the group. Um, and that's really what we're focused on right now is just uh, letting D.C. know, hey, uh, this hobby, you know, it, it is a hobby. Unfortunately, it's a highly regulated hobby today. Um, and we're taking this seriously. We don't want things to just remain the same. Uh, we, we, we're not trying to restore status quo of two or three years ago. Um, we want this hobby to thrive. We want it to, to move forward and, and advance. And um, we want to introduce it to generation after generation. And unfortunately, the way things are going, we're not going to be able to do that unless we can get some of the things back that we've lost and gain even additional more, you know, additional ground from there. Okay. So we, we had this hobby for decades without the need for a pack. What's different now that it's mandatory? We had protections in place. And, um, you know, I, I know that we go down this path of um, do we separate advanced drones or advanced UAS and traditional model aircraft. And, um, you know, I, I don't know as if we want to get into that debate on this show right now. However, if just the facts, 
we have a new platform. Uh, we have the, the multi-rotor drone that has advanced capabilities. Um, it has sensing technologies. It can do things that traditional model aircraft simply cannot, um, which not only brings the commercial interest into things, it also brings security agencies interest into things. Um, so now we have commercial organizations who are pushing for, um, you know, a pathway to do the operations that they would like to see beyond visual line of sight operations, uh, to, you know, package delivery, you name it, that's, it's an idea. Uh, whether it works or not, that's for another discussion, but um, it's an idea and they have, you know, deep pockets, they're pushing their agenda. We also have security agencies who view these, these aircraft as a real threat. Um, so it's no longer, there's a group of hobbyists who are flying traditional model aircraft, leave them alone. No, we're all lumped in this together right now. Um, so we're all facing the same regulations. And unfortunately, you've got the Department of Defense, you have Homeland Security, and you have a host of commercial interests um, who are pushing agendas, their own agendas, um, and most of those agendas don't align with the traditional model aviation agenda. Um, so it, it's just math. They've got a lot of money they're throwing at this. Um, we have not had that type of money in the past. We've just kind of went off, hey, we're doing STEM, we're, we're raising money for charities. Um, just, just leave us alone. Necessary. Right, it wasn't yeah. necessary. Leave us alone. Um, we, we've been doing this for 80, 100 years, and, and it's never been an issue. Um, unfortunately, now it's, you know, we have the FAA involved, and they say, well, you haven't been an issue in the past, but now you're under the regulatory authority of our agency, um, and so we're going to view you as an issue and... You know, you're you're going to face the same restrictions whether you're flying a you know a little foamy out in a park or whether you're flying a, a quadcopter that you can fly three miles away through GPS waypoints. Uh, so, this your pack is not affiliated with any CBOs. Is that my understanding? That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> we're not. Yeah, it's not. Um, as I mentioned. Um, CBOs require that you meet those statutory requirements in Section 349 of 2018 FA reauthorization. Um, and one of those requirements is the organization needs to be a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And that prohibits them from doing the types of things that political action committees are able to do. Um, so those two have to be separate. Uh, and, and that's, that's what you find in this case, is the Political Action Committee for Model Aviation, while it has the same views and the same mission as many of the, the traditional model aircraft hobbyists and, and their organizations, uh, we are a separate entity from any of those CBOs. So you're a completely independent entity? We are. That's correct. What are your biggest hurdles, besides raising money? But, I mean, what do you feel like you're, are your... You're... I think the um, the biggest immediate threat right now is the remote ID proposed rule. Um, you know, we have a lot. Uh, so, I mean, you guys you guys talk about it all the time. There's a lot of threats out there. We've got altitude restrictions. Um, we've got letters of agreement clubs are trying to work on. Um, but we have right now a remote ID proposed rule on remote ID that the FAA is working on um, that is going to create such. A burden on manufacturers and distributors and small mom and pop hobby shops that they're just not going to be able to comply with those standards and self audits and certifications um, and it's going to be devastating so that right now our biggest concern is this proposed rule on remote ID um, and 
you know, Politico came out, it was maybe a couple weeks ago, um, and, and the administrator of the FAA said that he would like to have something pushed out by the end of this year. We kind of thought, oh, that'll never happen. Um, you know, we were thinking 18 to 24 months, but now we have this, the coronavirus and a lot of people within the FAA are working from home, so they're not doing meetings, and, and there's a, a number of things that they won't be doing, um, which gives them a lot of time to go through the 53,000 comments. Um, that are out there. So uh, what we thought may be impossible a week or two ago, um, that's looking like it could be a real possibility. Um, you know, we could see this proposed rule turn into a, a either an updated proposed rule or a final rule a lot quicker than what we thought. And if that doesn't come out the way we want it to, if the FAA doesn't change things, um, to the point where it's a workable solution for the industry, we're going to need members of Congress in place who are willing to support us because that's going to be our only avenue to get out of this. Um, you know, we're we're currently working with members. We're talking to them. We're trying to educate them as much as we can. Um, but we need to expedite that, uh, just because if we have a matter of months before this rule becomes final, uh, and again, it, it has the internet connectivity and the 400 foot restrictions and registration. Uh, yeah, individual aircraft registration. Um, we're going to need Congress to step in and, and provide some vehicle for us to get more protections. Now, at this point, there are no more barriers in the FAA's way, right? They decide what they're going to do and they just do it. They don't have to get anyone's blessing. Well, they, that's, you know, that's, we'll see. Um, there's a number of agencies that'll have to sign off on this. You have all the security okay. agencies, DOD, DHS. Um, you have OMB, the Office of Management and Budget. Um, there's a number of issues in the proposed rule that we found, Crystal and I, that, that we point out in, in our personal comments and other comments we worked on with other uh, other organizations and individuals. And, um, you know, the, we don't feel like the FAA did their due diligence in some of the surveys and some of the uh, financial requirements that are part of a proposed rule. Um, so we would hope, and, and I know that many in the industry think that OMB will step in and say, hey, before you move forward, we want to see the true costs on, on a number of issues. Um, it's just simply, you know, you look at the proposed rule and the FAA essentially said, we want all this stuff to happen. We don't know what the technology is that's going to allow it to happen, but just take our word for it. It'll be there. Uh, industry will provide whatever this widget is. Um, we just want to tell you what the widget has to do. Transporters work on Star Trek. Why can't we can't have them? In five years, transporters are going to exist. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And and that's unlike, uh, I mean, in all reality, we complain about the FAA, but in, you know, it's, it's not typical where they would come out with a proposed rule and provide a solution that really doesn't exist. I mean, the idea of the solution exists, and there are some small prototypes and some companies that provide something similar. Um, but overall, for this grand idea, uh, they, they don't have the, this is the equipment that will be used. You know, it's it, transponder ABC. That doesn't exist. It's just, this is what we want, whatever this future transponder is going to do. This is what we want it to be able to do. Um, and I think that's what happens when you have a safety organization like the FAA come out with a security proposed rule. Um, you know, this 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 proposed rule is not about airspace safety. Uh, that that's not the goal of this. It is it's essentially almost a hundred percent security driven. Um, it's Department of Defense and Homeland Security, and um, you know, you throw a little bit of commercial interest in there. Um, but that was the 
that was really the driving force of the proposed rule was security. Well, to me, it felt like they were going with the theme of the space race. Like, we're going to do it. It's a great mission. We're going to make this happen, and we'll find a way. And unfortunately, the whole concept is just a mess. I mean, they have no idea what it's going to cost. They just assume it's going to be relatively small. And I, I try to decipher the budget section in that darn proposal it made no sense whatsoever i don't know where they were getting their numbers from so it was just a fiasco um you know there's one section in there where the fa is supposed to look at the small the interests of small businesses um and they failed to take into account the the impact this would have on hobby shops uh you know tens of thousands of hobby shops and and small businesses that sell hobby equipment and um without doing that they did not fulfill their requirement of this proposed rule. They they really need to survey the small businesses that sell model aircraft and UAS and the hobby shops that sell them and see what the financial impact's going to be. So that's that's one case I'll point out that, you know, in our comments that we we sent in um, where we really feel OMB should step in and say, hold up, you FAA, you need to go back and um, do some more budget surveys to see what the impact's going to be. It's problematic for law enforcement as well. I mean, obviously someone's going to have to enforce all those rules and, you know, across the country, they're, do they even have the capability? Do they have the funding at local departments to even manage something like that? I don't think that was taken into consideration at all either. I wonder if that's also you were having local uh, law enforcement enforcing federal laws. Yeah, I mean, that's a real issue. Um, the FAA, they, they you know, want to keep that, you know, seniority, I guess, in check and want to be the only enforcement. Um, but they certainly make it clear that they have rely heavily on local law enforcement. While they can't enforce the federal law, um, they look to, to local police to, you know, find the operator, provide all the identification information, and reach out to their LEAP program um, and, and provide the FAA with all of that. Have the technology um, to do right. so. And, but, yeah. but what yeah. the FAA doesn't understand is that there's real problems out there in, in most of these cities with drugs and crime. And um, most police officers don't have time to go out to some guy in a field flying a model airplane. Yeah, they're interested in harassing little Timmy or little Harassing, Susie. right. <laughs> um, they've got real issues, not, 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 uh, I, I certainly understand there are people who are causing problems with the technology. Um, but that being said, uh, it certainly doesn't rise to the um, to the top of, of, of policemen's or woman's, um, you know, top priority for the day. So I'm going to ask the difficult question. <laughs> what What's it going to cost? <laughs> You're the treasurer of this pack. I mean, I really would like to know what you can do with our donations to the pack to help us save this hobby where can you guide and direct these funds to make it happen sure so you know you've really got there's a the congress is huge the senate and representatives so really you've got to narrow that down somewhat and the best places to focus um, in the house that's the transportation and infrastructure committee and in the senate it's the uh, uh Commerce Committee, and both of them have aviation subcommittees underneath them, and they are really um, the driving force behind FAA legislation and, uh, you know, budgeting for the FAA. So those chairs, those, uh, you know, ranking members, those are the most powerful people. 
um, in in all of this. That's not to say that there aren't other people who, uh, you know, we would like to support. Uh, we certainly have gotten support from members of Congress outside of those committees. Um, Congress, just like anything else, they um, they they have friends in in important places, and um, you know they can they can push agendas. Um, they can, you know, you'll hear. Uh, on the news and other things, um, one senator or representative's working on a bill, and and they partner up with another to really push it through. Well, it's the same thing here. Um, just because they're not on that uh, aviation subcommittee doesn't mean they aren't important, or doesn't mean that they don't play a role. Um, so it, it's wide open on, on who we could support. That being said, a majority of the support would go to, to people on those aviation subcommittees. Um, they will be the ones that are responsible for writing new legislation, which would include or could include protections for traditional model aircraft operators. I, I want to sponsor a PAC employee. <laughs> get, a, get a weekly update on the status. And <laughs> you know, and, and it's, um, you know, who, who the PAC supports, that's, that's public knowledge. Um, you can go through the FEC website and look that up. Uh, a lot of people, we get emails, well, you need to put this on your website. Um, we discussed that. Uh, unfortunately, Congress isn't big on seeing their names plastered all over people's website for taking donations. Um, you know, you run into the whole quid pro quo thing, and, and we certainly don't want to go down that path. Um, this is really just about supporting the senators and representatives who support our hobby. And if they don't, then we would like to find a candidate who's willing to early on uh, and support that person so we can get them in a role of leadership and get them to be supportive. Um, if, if we want to keep clout in D.C., a political action committee is one of the best ways we can do that. And the way things are right now, we need that clout. Um, we have a good history. We have a strong history. We do have a number of supporters in D.C. Um, uh, just frankly, you know, a, a lot of those, the, the demographics on some of them are, are aging demographics. Uh, Senator Inhofe of Oklahoma, as I mentioned, um, he is, you know, we don't know how much longer he's going to be a member of Congress. Um, so we need to find new champions. And, and um, we do have, I'm sure you guys have seen a number of letters that are out there. Uh, we have Rodney Davis of Illinois. Um, we have Greg Pence of Indiana and Todd Young of Indiana. And, and all of these people, uh, Dan Sullivan of Alaska, um, these people have publicly spoke out against FAA regulations and proposals uh, and shown, you know, a large amount of support to model aviation. And those are the people that we need to, to support publicly. Um, and we need to get them some people in place who, who will back them up. And that's really the purpose of all this. Well, and pardon me, and <laughs> just because I'm Mr. Negative, but you're, you're talking about supporting the good guys, and I'm all for that. But what about drawing out those people that are really messing things up? And I'm going to just say DeFazio is a good well, we can. Um, you know, when we talk about DeFazio, um, you know, he essentially ran unopposed the last couple times. Um, his The person running against him had no chance. Um, but a, a big portion of that was he had very little financial support. Um, you know, he didn't have organizations like, like the Political Action Committee to give a, a donation to his campaign and help him along the way and, you know, push out his messages through social media and things like that. I'm not saying that would have made a difference in that case um, because it was, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was a pretty lopsided election. Um, 
but those are the types of things that you're exactly right, Lee. Those are the types of things that we are going to be focused on is if we have somebody who's causing us trouble, we need to do all we can do uh, to make that person known and, and, you know, help the people who are running against him. Yeah, I think even if the people running against something like that don't win, the fact that they have support like this should be an eye-opener to the person, uh, the opponent, so... And that's where the lobbyist comes in. You know, when you talked about what do lobbyists do, and uh, they smooth things over because the Fazio's chairman uh, of the committee in the House that's over FA oversight. Uh, so extremely, extremely powerful. And uh, we need to continue to get meetings in his office, and and we need to continue to share our our you know our ideas and what we'd like to see changed. Um, so we need that that support in D.C. to come in after we support the candidate running against him and kind of smooth everything over. <laughs> well, my assumption would be that DeFazio is a lost cause. Does he still entertain you? He, well, he does. Um, and, and his staff, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I understand, you know, where the, everybody says he's a lost cause. Um, but at l- his staff and him have at least reached out on a number of other issues. While the regulations are still there and, and they're terrible and FAA reauthorization is the way it is, a, a majority of it, because of of him. I mean, I'll just blatantly say it. Uh, most of the language in that bill, um, or at least the, the bad half, was at his request. Um, however, once we start, once some of the implementation started happening, um, the FAA gave a lot of push, pushback on some of the, the um, implementation portions of Section 349. Uh, we were, ex- the hobbyist organizations were extremely unhappy um, and had to reach out to DeFazio, and DeFazio and, and his office reached out to the FAA and, and did ask that the FAA start working better with um, those organizations and those hobbyists uh, and applied enough pressure to where the FAA listened and changed things. So it's those types of things. If it wasn't for him, and again, I, I, that doesn't, um, that doesn't, you know, give him a clean slate on, on where we're at right now. Um, but there are thousands of hobbyists that are operating right now because of some of the pressure he applied to the FAA, even after he wrote that terrible language for FAA reauthorization. All right. Well, it's good to know he has something resembling a soul. Right. Have there been discussions about, <laughs> well, I, we had a question on our, on our site. Someone asked, and, I, and this has gone around about where there are regulations being put on this hobby where you can't fly a model version of an ultralight, you know, because of these rules. But yet you can actually go out and fly an ultralight without these regulations. I mean, I, I don't know how you want to share that with us, but I mean, that just makes no sense. Now, I'm not trying to force heavy regulations on those who are flying ultralights and, and doing their own thing, but it does just seem outrageous that they're just going across the board with the hobby like this. Um, you know, I work closely with Sean Elliott at DAA. I don't know if you guys know him, but, um, you know, he makes that argument all the time. And him and I go and we speak, meet with the FAA together maybe a couple months ago, in fact. And um, we made that very argument. And, and Sean with EAA said, you're putting more restrictions on a model of an ultralight than you are of an ultralight. And the FAA looked at us and said, well, there's nowhere in law that says we can't do that. Oh, God. <laughs> so Jeez, they, I mean, 
that they are fully aware um, that you know our viewpoint on that, um, even man community's viewpoint on that, and their response is, well, there's no law that says we can't do that. <laughs> All right. So there's so this you my ball, my rules. That shows you the importance of having people in DC, um, having senators and representatives who are willing to say, well, we're not happy with you doing that. And, uh, you know, we control you, what you do. We're the oversight for you. And, and it's important that political action committees and, and organizations like ours have the resources at hand to be able to, to support those, um, you know, those representatives or those senators who are willing to step in and make those corrections for us. Um, because we can scream it at the top of our lungs and I can get 10 other organizations to stand behind it and scream it with me. Um, but until Congress steps in, that's all we, we're doing is just screaming. Now that leads me well, to another question. Can you coordinate with other PACs as well? Yeah, I mean, I think we can. Uh, we can certainly, you know, um, we're limited on, on how much you can donate to each candidate um, and, and each political party. Um, but that being said, you know, a PAC could discuss the same issue with another PAC and, and um, you know, double up what you're permitted to do. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you, you, you can only give so much, I guess is what I'm saying. You can certainly try to sway another PAC to support a candidate that you're supporting, um, but at the end of the day, your PAC's only going to be able to give so much, and that PAC's only going to be able to give so much. Is a PAC provided with the ability to attend certain meetings because they've, you know, they've submitted their paperwork? I mean, are you allowed to go in and, and have discussions uh, or are you always going to be on the outside just like uh, any other, you know, hobbyist? I mean, I, I just want to know if you can go a step further. What, how much more deeper can you get involved than, say, you know, the three of us? Um, the three of you, I, it's really about, you know, you could probably get, uh, I don't want to say that we could get further, um, because you could make donations to that candidate as well, which would get you, you know, you would get face-to-face -face with that candidate if you would be willing to um, donate those types of funds. What the PAC does is it it brings a weight behind it because I've got a donation that I can, I can support a candidate with, um, but I've also got thousands of people behind this PAC who can make that same donation if they would like. Um, so when I say, you know, I'm coming as to represent the modeling community and, and to support you as a candidate, um, you know, that candidate understands that I can only give this much, but I can throw a fundraiser and invite all my friends and they can all give that much too. Um, so that's the type of, of clout that a political action committee brings behind it is the, the senators or the representatives know that you have people so dedicated and, and so passionate about whatever that PAC is representing that they are willing to donate their hard-earned cash. Um, and they know that there's going to be a, a large group of people who would be willing to do even more than that. Um, and that PAC knows where to find those people, and that PAC knows where to make that connection. Um, so it's just, uh, I think it's an issue about clout. I mean, really, it, it would be the best answer for that, is, is um, the senators and representatives would know that a political action committee is serious about what's happening and can make those connections. Now, when I vote, I tend to consider more local issues. So is there a reference out there somewhere that says who our friends and enemies are in the model aviation world? There is not, and we've been sure, Crystal and I have had this conversation and we struggle with it, um, 
if you look at, you know, other political action committees like the NRA or, uh, you know, some of the larger ones, they, they do the report card on how friendly they are to your, uh, you know, to your position. And that's really based solely off of voting record. If we, if we did that with voting record on FAA reauthorization, um, it, we would not have very many friends. <laughs> um, FAA reauthorization is so huge. I mean, we see that now with this virus and what it's doing to the airline industry. And you stop the FAA, you don't fund the FAA, um, and it, it wreaks havoc on the economy. So uh, it's very, very rare unless there's a major issue that a senator or representative is dead set against that they don't vote to pass an FAA reauthorization bill. Um, so in this last one, I think there was all but like 13 or 15 people voted for it to pass. Um, so essentially, if you voted for it to pass, you'd get an F. If you voted to uh, for it to fail or abstain, then you would get you know an A or a B based off of that. Um, and that would kind of be the friends or enemies against your goal. Um, and we don't want to go that route because we do have friends that voted for FAA reauthorization. But not because, you know, the model aircraft people were getting screwed over or getting heavily regulated. It was because they needed the economy to continue to go strong and they needed to refund the FAA. Model aviation and unmanned aircraft is an extremely, extremely small portion of that overall bill. I mean, that bill is, a, you know, 1,000, 1,500 pages and we're two and a half paragraphs out of it or, you know, a couple pages. But um and it's just, I mean, frankly, it, just to be blunt, um, a very small concern for a majority of Congress. Well, are you at least able to put something together from the people that you've talked to where you can decide whether or not they're... We are going to do that, um, and we are going to share, you know, some... I don't know exactly what format that's going to look at, but um, as we move forward, hey, here are the people who in the past have a history of supporting the model aviation community. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it too. You know, as elections come up, we're, we're going to want people to know like who we would want you to vote for sure. and who we want in office and who's going to support us. So, I mean, you can do, like, there's a section on our website for that. Right now, there's not anything on it just because we haven't gotten to that point yet, but we'll have that on there um, so that okay. people know. Sure. And like I said, I mentioned a few, you know, um, Greg Pence and Rodney Davis and, and Senator Sullivan and others. Um, they've been very supportive, very vocal. Uh, they have helped us uh, numerous times with FAA-related issues. So we want, we want the community to know those type, uh, you know, those, those helps and those types of people who are helping us. Good. Yeah, I think that's useful information. So to flip the question around a little bit, what can we do to help you help us? You know, we're fairly new in this. Um, we're maybe two or three months in um, since we really officially kicked this off. It was in January. And we're just really trying to get the word out. Um, I think, Crystal, what, if, am I wrong if I say um, the probably number one question we get through our emails is, is this a legitimate yeah. <laughs> is organization this a scam? or are you a scam and you're going to send my money to some Nigerian prince? And... <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a funny email because if I was a scam and somebody sent me an email asking oh, me no, if no, I was no, a scam, we're not scam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course not, silly. <laughs> but no, that's that's probably the number one email is, um, are you legitimate? And so we're just trying to get the word out. Um, you know, we're all volunteers in this. I want to mention that. Crystal and I, we don't get a dime. Um, we don't go to D.C. and stay at 
uh, you know, the Ritz or the Four Seasons and eat steak dinners. Um, we're usually in a room at home from six in the afternoon till midnight sending emails for solicitations. Um, this is all 100% volunteer based. Um, and we are legitimate. This we are heavily regulated under FEC rules and regulations. We um, have attorneys that we, we have to report to that <laughs> yeah, we, file for us. Um, so that's well, the biggest issue well. we're, we're facing right now is just getting that word out that we're legitimate. Um, you know, we talked earlier about what our day jobs are. We can't mix those two. You know, the pack is completely separate. Um, uh, we would be risking. Um, you know the both organizations if we tried to say one is a part of the other we are not this is uh, this is crystal and i uh, doing this exercising our, our first yeah. amendment rights <laughs> um, uh, doing it on our own time and and so it's been a struggle um, to add legitimacy to the pack but we are legitimate we do have a number of supporters we've actually added a page i think crystal put that on a couple nights ago um where all of our donator, our donations have been, mm-hmm. um, uh, all of our donors. She's added a page that shows those. Um, there's some different tiers and some different levels, um, which is, I think, important to recognize who's stepping up and... and um, Maybe give you peace of mind that there are real people who are supporting <laughs> us. Right, yeah. I mean, there's some bigger names, you know, within the modeling community on that that um, have stepped up and helped out. So, um, I mean, we certainly appreciate those. But if I call Crystal at her AMA number, I have to talk AMA business. There's that correct. is correct. We will not be that talking anything that has to do with the pack. Yeah, so the pack. Um, those hours. Yeah. <laughs> our, the best way to reach us, like I said, we're volunteers for this pack. Best way to reach us, uh, modelaviationpack at gmail.com. Go to our website. Uh, there's some. There's a contact email button you can press, and uh, we will get back to you if uh, you know as soon as possible. Usually within a day or even sooner, um, and answer any questions that any of your listeners have. Okay. So, this may be a, a dicey question, but are you seeing any support from the hobby industry? We are. Well, let me let me ask hobby industry. You're talking about companies. Uh, yeah, the, um, the Horizon Hobbies, the Hobby Kings, the mom and pop hobby shops. So corporations and companies cannot contribute to our political action committee. It has to be an individual. So somebody who works there, or you know, the CEO, or they can they can personally contribute money, um, but the the company cannot contribute the money. Okay, so this is really a grassroots type of it effort is. where you yeah you need everybody. We do. We do. Um, you know, we we are not going to level the playing field with this pack, just to be frank. But we'll it, will, it will right. We, yeah. This will give us a spot on the field, at least. I mean, it really is. And uh, like I mentioned, with remote ID coming out, um, with the the Section three forty nine, we still haven't seen that fully implemented. We've got a safety and knowledge test coming up, and we're working on altitude issues and all of these issues that we are facing. Um, you know, I truly, truly hope, believe me, uh, I, I spend a lot of nights awake. I hope that things work out perfect and, uh, you know, this pack is for nothing. But uh, I just don't have a, a good feeling that it's going to work that way. I think that we are going to need members of Congress to step in at some point. Um, we're going to need to find more members of Congress to support us in the future, and we need to get them in place as quickly as we possibly can. And the best way to do that is through, you know, 
this financial support and finding candidates early, uh, being able to support them and, and take some of the, the roles that Lee mentioned earlier, some of the people who are against us. Not, not only do they not support us, but they're actively fighting against us. Um, be able to support candidates who have a chance of, of winning those elections and taking those spots. Well, this is all uh, eye-opening material because we, you know, a lot of us were either yelling at the AMA because they weren't doing enough, but obviously their hands were tied and it was just a lot of misinformation, stuff we just didn't know about. And, you know, this is like... I don't want to, you know, I don't want to diminish what AMA's done because they've done a lot. And and I'll say this year alone, um, with meetings of members of Congress and and FAA, I I wouldn't be surprised if the number of meetings is at 150 already this year. Um, Well over 100 meetings with members of Congress already. So uh, the meetings are taking place, the support's there. um, But that is only so far. And it's, you know, I'm not aware of any other organization out there that's that's doing anything remotely close. Uh, certainly, I've heard, you know, I've watched some YouTube videos of some other organizations that met with their representative, you know, of their district and maybe a senator and um, went to the UAS integration office or something like that. But um, to get to the level uh, of real change, um, I'm not sure who else is out there stepping up. And, and that's what's really going to be needed. It can't just be you know, one organization meeting, you know, trying to get every office in D.C. or every important office. Uh, We need to be in their heads all day, every day, you know. One group comes in, the next day another group comes in and and really just pound the pavement and say, listen, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep your phones ringing. We're going to keep your email boxes full. Model Aviation is is here to stay, um, and we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that happens. Yeah, well, I was going to say we were begging the AMA to have like an NRA team. And now that we you know, learned that they couldn't do that, you are our NRA. We, For those who are listening to the show, this is the group that is going to act like the NRA. This is the team we're finally going to support to start pushing the right candidates out there that will support this hobby that will say, you know what, there's just too much regulation on people who are enjoying a hobby that's been safe for a lot of years, I mean, 60, 80, 100, whatever number we want to throw. But it's been a long time. Obviously, there are some regulations that make sense, then we can address those. But for most of the hobby, most of the hobby, traditional hobbyists, you know, line of sight aircraft, this is just overkill. And we need candidates to see through that, that shady cloud of a, you know, NPRM that the FAA put out there. And and let's see through it. And Guys, donate to this pack if you like this hobby. And I want to say, if you're like me right now and this COVID-19 is putting you in your workshop to build planes, think about these guys. They still have much work to do for us. If you're working on an aircraft, you're still in the hobby, which means these guys still have to fight for us. And we appreciate that, and we will. I mean, we will not stop. Um, I know that... You know, we hear a lot of members and we get a lot of things. You need to be more aggressive. You need to, you know, tell the FAA this or that. And we do tell the FAA this or that. And believe me, I don't need to be any more aggressive, Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) Crystal has to yell at me all the time and tell me to calm down. So um, we are going to keep up the fight. Um, We're not going to stop. You know, we will find champions in D.C., uh, but we just need the resources to be able to do that. But so obviously... Financial contributions are the foundation of what you're trying to do here. But do you also have opportunities for anyone who wants to volunteer their time? So we're working on that plan right now. I mean, really, that's 
um, that's our next step is we need to get a good foundation in place uh, and we think that the best way to do that is uh, you know to look for leadership roles and volunteer roles and maybe that's where uh, you know the organizations like AMA and Horizon Hobby and all of these hobby shops can step in and say you know we're, we're bound we can only do so much um, but we can certainly you know invite you on like what you guys did invite you on our podcast um, or we can share your message um, we can reach out to our representatives and, and make our voices known. I mean, you guys can all um, reach out to your regional directors for your representative and your senators and share your concern or ask them to come to your flying site, invite them out, um, those types of things. But a lot of people just don't know how to get started in that process. And that's what we want to do is, is to create a path to say, look, we, we know that, you know, as we mentioned, financial support is important, but that's not the only way you can get involved. Um, and here's some guidance on what you can do to be a part of this pack and be a part of this movement. Um, so we are going to be getting some material out here in the coming weeks um, to, to start sharing some of that information and uh, give guidance and, and bring some other people into this pack and, and leadership roles and volunteer roles. Well, don't underestimate the power of T-shirts and hats. I've got a lot of NRA stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll wear it proudly and then try to pass it on, you know, put something on my truck. So, yeah. Anything is, is a possibility right now, but that's our really our goal right now in terms of um, outside of what we're doing in D.C., how we move forward is getting that plan in place to get more people involved in this movement. Well, I think we're standing by ready to help. Um, you guys already have. We appreciate you having us on the show, and um, you guys have been uh, very vocal and, and shared our messaging. And um, you know, we encourage everybody to go to our website, modelaviationpack.com, uh, and we have a Facebook page. Yeah, follow us on Facebook, Political Action Committee for Model Aviation, and that's where you'll you'll get updates and you'll know what's going on and what we're doing behind the scenes. Uh, we post on there more regularly than we do the website. Sure. Okay, we'll be sure to provide links to our listeners. Well, I have to say that's been an extremely informative uh, session with uh, you guys. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on and explain to us in, uh, in simple terms how all this works and what the future lies ahead for us. And I hope that uh, our listeners will seriously consider getting involved and helping out any way they can. Because uh, this is literally the future of our hobby we're talking about here. So, um, well, once again, Tyler, Crystal, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you very much. We'd like to probably have you on again at some time in the future for an update on how things are going. And, uh, That'd be great. Feel free to use us as a resource to get your message out, especially if you hear uh, some news on the Hill. Absolutely. Happy to do that. With that, we'll let you two go and really appreciate you taking the time. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you Thanks, all. Thanks, guys. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.